people welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast it's the ice cold show and we're gonna jump into it hope everybody had a great weekend an extended weekend we got memorial day today um let's go jump into some games for you and we got predictions for the games that come today monday and the games that come tomorrow tuesday we're gonna predict some games for you we're gonna cover the games that we saw yesterday um let's just jump right into it the quote of the day today is if you're afraid of failure, you don't deserve to be successful. And that's by my bud, Charles, so, Sir Charles Barkley. Um, first game we got covering for y'all today is the Hawks and the Knicks. The Hawks 113, um, the Knicks 96. Hawks go up 3-1 on the series. Uh, Trey Young just continues to dominate the Knicks. He's getting wherever he wants on the floor. Uh, we keep talking about it every game. He keeps showing why he's one of the great young stars in the game. His maturity um, on the floor, the improvement from his rookie year um, to now, which is about two years, has just been great. Um, love to see Trey shining. Um, even though he shot bad this game, he still ended up with 27 points, 9 assists, 5 for 5 from the free throw line, 9 for 21 from field goal percentage, 4 for 14 from 3. Um, still was just had an impact on the game no matter what. Um, John Collins, he had his first game scoring over 20-plus. He had 22 points this game for the first time in the series, added eight rebounds. He also hit two threes this game. Um, he missed a, a lot of game time and a, a lot of time period due to his uh, busted lip he needed stitches for. But I thought if he was on the floor uh, consistently the whole game without the injury and whatever, he would have just ran rampant. He was unstoppable. Um, Capella had another good game, a double-double, 10 points, 15 rebounds. When he's playing... It completely changes the game because his defense in the paint is just ridiculous. It's, it stops like the penetration of Derrick Rose. Even though he's still able to get to the rim, it makes him have to like force tough, tough finishes when Clint Capella is on the floor. And then just him being the lob threat, uh, his pick and roll uh, game with Trey Young is similar to his pick and roll game with Harden, where it's like, am I gonna stop? Trey Young, or am I going to stop Capella at the rim? And they, I mean, Trey Young's doing a great job making you pick your poison, and Capella's doing what he does best. He's setting good screens and he's rolling to the rim fantastically. Um, Gallo was finally an X factor for the Hawks. He had 21 points off the bench, 8 for 8 from the free throw line, and 6 for 9 from the field, which is a great game for Gallo. Uh, he hasn't had a big game yet. He was just teetering as, you know, he was there, he was showing up, he was on the floor, but. He finally had a game where he had some impact. Um, Hawks got to the line wherever they wanted to. They shot 26 to 28, so not only were they able to get to the line and shoot the ball 28 times for the line, they hit 26 of them. Kind of tells you how the game goes right there. Um, Julius Randle finally broke 20 points. Yay! He had 23 points, uh, 10 rebounds, consistently getting a double-double. So his effort is there. I do see his effort, but it's just not the right effort, man. 7 for 19 from the field. Um Seven for nine from the line. He at least got to the line a little better, and at least he's hitting them. So that was good. Nice to see him be aggressive, but uh, five turnovers again. Um, Derrick Rose had 18 points and six rebounds. Still the best player for the Knicks all series. RJ had 21 points. Um, the best player, not the best player, but a player that really stood out to me this game for the Knicks, excuse me, was Todd Gibson. Um, 
his stat, the numbers in his stat sheet don't really show his impact on the game, but he's just like aggressive. He's attacking the boards. He's attacking the paint. He able, he was able to start this game. Him and D Rose started this game, even though it didn't have uh, such a good effect. He they they did start. It's just so much the Knicks can do. They're just not the ta- more talented team. They're not the team you saw in the regular season. This is a team where you get to prepare for them every night. And when you prepare for them every night, their simple ISO or Randall is just not the same. Um, the Knicks season is just on the line. This game five, three one. Um, you're at home. I would hope that they don't lose at home. I would think the Knicks are going to come out firing, but who knows, man? We need them to be ultra aggressive. One thing I noticed last game is I think Julius Randle got so frustrated and so irritated in the game. There was a possession where he just took the ball and he attacked the rim so hard, like so hard. And this would cause John Collins to have the injury in his mouth. He went right into John Collins like he wasn't there, attacked the rim, got fouled, and hit the two free throws. And that's what you need more of from Randle. He can't buy a bucket. He can't hit a jumper. He's hitting his shots from the free throw line. Just the ultra aggressiveness of, okay, like, this is my last game of the year, potentially. Like, I'm just bringing it to your front door every single time. That's what I want to see from the Knicks moving forward. Um, Next game was a disappointing one for me. Uh, The Suns lost. I mean, the Suns beat my Lakers 100-92. The story of this game, well, ties the series up 2-2, so now it's the best of three series. Uh, the story of this game is AD's injury. As of now, it looks like he won't be playing in game five, and we cannot afford to lose game five. I'm sure we're going to reiterate this as we go through this game. Um, yeah, the alert I have is that he won't be playing. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. Um, this is another defensive game for both the teams. Both these teams played good defense this year, and it's been showing this series. Uh, Lakers didn't even shoot 40% from the field. The Suns only shot 43% from the field. Um, the Lakers really lost this game with the turnovers. We had 16 turn- turnovers to their 10, which means if we at least get two points for each of those turnovers, that's 12 points, um, 12 point swing. So that was really tough. We got to take care of the ball better, especially the players like LeBron, um, Dennis Schroeder, so on and so forth. The Suns are shooting 28% from three this series. The Lakers aren't shooting much better from three. Yet, the Lakers are still trying to run them off the three. And Crowder hasn't killed us. Um, even Booker hasn't really killed us from three. Chris Paul has only attempted like one three the whole series because of his injury. Um, why are we running them off the three-point line? If they want to shoot and take threes, let them. Until they start beating us from deep, let them shoot threes. Um, we're running them off the three-point line, and our defense is not rotating correctly, and they're killing us inside, which just makes no goddamn sense. So let them shoot the threes. Um, Chris Paul was definitely locked in this game. He looked like himself. His shoulder looks like it's more loose, which is just not good for the Lakers. Granted that AD's being hurt, and now Chris Paul's starting to look healthy. Um, he had 18 points, nine assists, and he like was able to lead the team and close this game out. So he started the game out well, and he was able to close the game out well for the Suns. Um, after almost being a, a DNP, which is a did not play coach's decision, Monty Williams talked about potentially sitting him out this game to let his shoulder heal up. But he played him, and it was a great decision, and they beat us. Um, the Suns had a solid, solid outing from their starting five and an extra 13 off the bench from campaign. So they were able to get production from their stars and their starters. And also Cameron Payne was able to do what he's continually been able to do this series as far as come off the bench, play hard, get in people's chest, annoy everyone on the floor for the Lakers and uh, be able to score and hit timely buckets, a couple threes and all that stuff. 
Um, Derek, uh, Devin Booker didn't shoot well from the field, but he got to the line and was six for seven from the line. He ended with 17 points. Um, another double digit, you know, performance from him. He's going to continually give dev- double digit performances, whether he's shooting good or not, he's going to get to the line. He's a superstar player. I expect him to even shoot better than he has been the last two games, which is really, really irritating that we couldn't pull a victory off because he's just going to improve his play. Um, Another solid performance from DeAndre Ayton, 38 minutes, ending with 14 points and 17 rebounds. And the key stat to me was the 38 minutes. That means he was able to play the game, uh, a 48-minute game, played all but 10 minutes. Um, He was able to avoid foul trouble and play those major minutes, which is key because the Suns don't have a lot of depth as far as big man depth. Um, they don't have the big backup center. They're running with DeAndre Ayton. They, they're running with Dario Saric. And you got Frank Kaminsky, I believe, coming off the bench. So those are those other two guys aren't guys who are very special, are known to be profound big men in this league, as the Lakers have a lot of size. So if Ayton can continue to stay on the floor, not get in foul trouble, he's going to be big for their success moving forward. Um LeBron James, he had another solid night, 25 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. The reason why I say solid because the part of our t- turning over the ball is LeBron James. He has six of them, six of the 16, which is atrocious. If LeBron doesn't turn the ball over six times, the Suns and the Lakers have the same amount of turnovers this game, uh, which would change the game drastically. Another thing that hurt us this game Dennis Dennis Schroeder, he shot abysmal from the field, only 3 for 13 with 8 points. Kuzma finally gave us a double-digit scoring game, um, 11 points, but only on 4 of 11 shooting. If AD isn't going to be able to play in Game 5, we're going to need the scoring to come from elsewhere, and part of elsewhere is Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Lakers didn't have KCP this game, and... I can't really say I noticed that we didn't have him. He hasn't been shooting the ball all all well, but just to have another competent guy on the floor, another guy who can exchange minutes with the likes of Wes Matthews, who had a pretty solid game for us, I, I believe, um, as far as just defensively and being on the floor. He didn't do anything to help us win, but I wouldn't say he did anything to make us lose. Same thing with KCP. Maybe he's a better shooter, maybe a little better defender. It would have been nice to have KCP this game. Um, Marcus Gasol was wonderful off the bench. Um, I felt like he graded, uh, I felt like he did a great job spacing the floor. He had a three for us. Um, he was able to grab eight rebounds to go with his 11 points. He'll be playing bigger minutes now that we don't have Anthony Davis for game five. I believe Drummond should pick his play up. Um, Suns beat us up in the paint, 44 points in the paint to our 36 points. And we cannot let that happen. As we already said, they don't have many bigs outside of Aiton. So for, for them to get in the paint, it means that Chris Paul's getting in the paint. Devin Booker's getting in the paint. These other guys are getting in the paint and it's just unacceptable. Um, the best thing that can come from AD's injury is hopefully that Vogel finds more minutes for Montrezl Harrell. This is the reigning six man of the year. He has, I think he played this series and had 12 points. I don't understand why he doesn't get minutes. I don't understand what he does so bad to keep him off the floor, but we need his energy. We need his offensive output. We haven't been able to score this series. I think he can be a real big help for us this series if we can get him on the floor. Um, The Lakers did play the majority of the season without AD, so him not being on the floor or being available for us isn't something new for us this year. But this being the playoffs, uh, it's a little more important than any regular season games that he missed. But I I do think that it's possible him being out kind of gives guys the familiar role they've had all year, um, the familiar shots and the familiar minutes. 
Um, so I do think that it may be a, it may be something that doesn't hurt us as bad. I can't say it's going to help us not having him, but hopefully it doesn't hurt us as much as people may think it will. And I think game five is the game we have to steal. Uh, best two out of three now. We got game five in Phoenix, game six in L.A., game seven in Phoenix. We're going to have to win a game in Phoenix to win this series, and I think it's going to be easier to steal game five than to steal game seven. If we come out there and steal game five, we put the pressure on them to win a game in L.A., and I think it puts their back in the wall, backs against the wall no matter what if we win this game. So this is the must-win game going into game five, and I thoroughly uh, expect the Lakers to win. Please, please. Um, next, we're going to jump into the Nets and the Celtics. Nets 141, Celtics 126. Um, the Nets take a 3-1 lead, pretty commanding league. Um, before we jump into the game, unfortunately, we have to talk about another idiotic fan in Boston um, and this whole situation with Kyrie Irving. Um, basically, after the game, Kyrie, game three, played pretty Pretty mediocre compared to his standards, only 16 points. Um, game four, he lit him up. He had a, a great game. And after the game, you know, he felt he heard the booze all night. Uh, he decided to do something I would consider unnecessary and I would consider disrespectful. He goes to the circle in the middle of the floor, the Celtics logo. Uh, I think his name is Lucky, whatever it is. And he takes his foot and stumps on the logo and drags his foot on it. Now, me being a Laker fan, you know, it don't really bother me much, but... Um, I definitely understand the disrespect. Uh, me being a fan of, of my football team is the Cowboys. So, you know, the T.O. standing on the star celebration he did, and uh, he was he got lit up for it. So I definitely felt why the Celtics felt disrespected, especially the fans. But it's just uncalled for for you to throw a water bottle at this guy's head um, while he's walking to the tunnel. I don't care how mad you are that he stumped his foot in the logo. Doesn't give you a right to act like a goddamn fool. Um Fortunately, we all see, saw the fans' face. He's going to go. Uh, he's been escorted out of the game. He was arrested. He was charged with a felony, um, and he's facing a ban. So, you know, it's, you play you play stupid games. You win stupid prizes, and the stupid prize he did win. Um, I think it's interesting that we keep seeing these guys, these fans who are doing these to these players. A lot of them are attacking black players. I've been the only players that we've seen attack so far with um, Russ, Westbrook with the popcorn, Trey Young getting spit at, and Kyrie Irving with the water bottle. And all the salients have a sell, a sell, all the people who are doing the stupid shit um, have all been white people. Um, take with that as you may, but I don't, I don't, I see the correlation in what's going on. But anyway, we ain't going to get into race. Um, through all the drama, like we said, Kyrie came out to play this game. He finished with 39 points, 11 rebounds, which is amazing from your point guard to pull out 11 boards because you know James Harden's going to get his boards. You know, um, KD's going to grab some boards as well. And he was 11 for 11 from the free throw line. KD is just so silky smooth on the court. It don't make no sense. Um, he's rising up over the smaller guards and players you try to pick on him. And then um, he's way too quick off the dribble for the, the bigs and the other forwards you could try to put on him. He's got that mid, that mid-range post game that's unstoppable. Uh, he's just a problem offensively, man. 42 points, 5 assists, 11 for 11 from free throw line, just like Kyrie. And he was 3 for 3 from 3. Um, this man is just the smoothest offensive player I've seen ever, I can say. Um, just love to watch him play on the offensive side of the ball. He's not a terrible defender either. Uh, another good game for KD. Harden, he just let the game come to him today. I didn't see him pressing. And when you see him in the Houston, 
um, the different years where they lost in the playoffs and different things. Their style of play didn't help, but I also felt like he pressed and forced the game instead of just letting the game come to him sometimes. And what I see the difference in the Nets is he's surrounded by great players and he just lets the game come for him. Come to him, he lets himself get a feel for the game. He doesn't force it. And it's just been successful. He had 23 points. Um, he was able to set up his teammates repeatedly and get them in their, their spots where they wanted the ball, where they can have their best chances to succeed. And he also followed up that 23 points and added 18 assists. Uh, Joe Harris and Bruce Brown also chipped in 14 apiece, and Joe Harris was doing his thing from the three-point line, as he always does. Um, the big three all played big minutes, and they just overwhelmed the seas all game. Uh, for the Celtics, was this the last game for Marcus Smart in Boston? Um, I know we're going to play game five, and he's going to be playing for Boston, obviously, but if this series doesn't go back to Boston, is this his last game? Um, if so, he gave the fans what they're used to from him, which is hard-nosed effort field basketball on um, both sides of the floor. He's going to give you his all. He's going to try to rebound. He's going to play defense. He's going to do the best he can to win. He didn't shoot the ball all that well, but he finished with 16 points, nine assists, and six rebounds. So a solid game for Marcus Smart. Um, Jason Tatum. I mean, this guy is special, man. This guy is young, but he he fights. Um, I know I said the game he poked is he got poked in the eye. I would like to see more effort of him, uh, shoot the ball a little more. He he just can't sh have that many low attempts from the field. And he followed up his fifty point game with a forty point game, added seven rebounds and five assists to that. And the correlation in both of his really good games was. He shot a lot of free throws, and he was hitting them, and this game was no different. 17 from 17 from the free throw line. Really nice game from Jason Tatum. I saw the Celtics uh, empty their bench tonight. Everybody on the team played. You saw Taco Fall play. You saw everyone played that. If you were on the Celtics roster and you were, and you were active, you got in, the, uh, got in the game, which I think kind of signified the white flag being raised, man. Uh, the series is over. I see no chance the Celtics win another game. I think if Brooklyn comes out and just takes care of business early in the game, the Celtics will sit their players again. Don't want to risk any injury going into next year. You already got Jalen Brown, who's out for injury. Um, just, you know, cut your losses and lose it. And this game also had a lot, a lot, a lot of whistles. Each team got to the line a lot. Um, nothing worse than a blowout game where it stops every five seconds because there's a whistle and a whistle and a whistle. So hopefully if the next game's a blowout, they just let the series in and you can keep stuff from like the little chippy stuff back and forth going going on because I don't want to see anyone from Brooklyn, Brooklyn get hurt uh, because of who they're supposedly matched up with next series if they win. Um, next, we got the Clippers and the Mavericks. The Clippers did what they had to do to tie the series up. So now them going down 0-2... That doesn't matter anymore to me. They went down 0-2. They were able to tie the series up. It's the best of three now. They got home court advantage. They got to win two out of three games, and two of those games are going to be in L.A. Um, the Clippers came out firing this game, and they never looked back, not once. Kawhi was, had a similar start to game three where he hit eight shots in a row. He did pretty much the same thing tonight. He didn't miss a shot to start the game. Uh, he was crazy efficient. He shot 29. He had 29 points, 10 rebounds. He was 11 for 15 for the from the field, two for three from three point line. Uh, we saw Ty Lue, who finally got his first win in Game Three on the road. He didn't get complacent after a win, and he decided to make an even better adjustment, seeing what helped get them the win at the end of Game Three in that second half. He's changed his starting lineup, and that made a huge impact defensively for his team. He removed Zubac from the starting lineup, and he added Batum. Uh, it just made it made a huge difference because Luca, the way Luca and the Mavs are running their offense is they see Zubac on the floor, 
And they even did it this game when Zubak was on the floor. You saw them try to go back to it. Um, Luka would just run the pick and roll, get the switch he wanted on Zubak, and it was just barbecue chicken from there. This change in the game, in the game plan for the Clippers, it had Luka struggling early with his shot. It was more length on him when he was doing his step backs and trying to get around these uh, Batum and other defenders. It just made it harder for him to score. And Luka was already hampered by an injury. He had that neck strain, and that definitely had an effect on him. So that was I thought it was a great move from Ty Lue. We put a lot of pressure on him, or we said the pressure was on him going into this series as the series switched from L.A. to Dallas. And he came out, he won, you know, him and his team won two games. So they silenced the silenced the critics, and now they're looking like the favorites once again in this series. Um, Paul George had good minutes early to help put the game away. As the game kind of became a blowout, you could see him play a little less efficient, efficiently, but he still finished with 20 points and 9 rebounds. Uh, Batum had 10 points in his first playoff start. Uh, had four steals and two blocks, five rebounds, and hit two threes. So a very strong game from the role players. Um, strong game for Reggie Jackson, 15 points and five rebounds. And finally, a better shooting night from the Clippers. They've been shooting terrible all series, but they shot 48% from the field and 39.5% from three. So very, very close to that 40, 50-40. Uh, percent from the th- uh, from the field and 40% from three. Very, very close. Um, Dallas, on as the vice versa, on the flip side, they really struggled to score this game. They were getting pretty much the same shot attempts I saw them getting in the first three games of this series, but they just weren't going down. I mean, some of them, I saw Jalen Brown, uh, Jalen Brunson shoot one from deep that just rimmed out. Tim Hardaway Jr. saw a couple shots that were halfway down and came up. Um, it just just wasn't their night tonight from the field. Uh, the home team can't buy a win this series. As we've seen, the da- Dallas Mavericks have won their two games in L.A. and the Clippers have won their two games in Dallas. So we'll see how that fares out in game five. Luka, as we said before, was definitely affected by his next train. He finished with 19 points, six rebounds, six assists. Um, where he really hurt his team tonight was he was one for seven from three. Uh, was a terrible percentage, but he's 0 for 5 from the from the free throw line. And I don't have the numbers for all three games, uh, all four games in front of me right now, but he hasn't shot good from the free throw line. He's not a good free throw shooter, no matter how good he shoots from three. I believe he shoots the same percentage from three as he does from the free throw line, and that's not good. Um, Christoph Przingis, talk about a quiet 18 points. He was 7 for 12 with 18 points, but... He doesn't dominate the game at all. Like, when he's out there, you're just like, oh, you know, he's just another guy. And when they traded him, traded for him from New York, he was not traded to be just another guy. Once again, he had three rebounds last game, five rebounds this game. And like we said, they're not even starting Zubak on the other end. You're the biggest guy on the floor, and you're pulling around five rebounds. It's just despicable to me. Um, He's 0 for 2 from 3. Hardway has come back to earth these last two games. One for eight from the field goal, uh, from the field goals, uh, only four points. Maxi Kleber just out there running and jumping. He had zero points over 32 minutes, zero from three from the field, another five rebounds. So he, even he had the same amount of rebounds as Porzingis. Go figure. Um, the only bright spot this game for me was Boban. He came in, he was able to get the crowd involved, uh, gave the team a lot of good energy. He had 12 points in 15 minutes, five for nine from the field with six rebounds. So I definitely thought when he was in the game, he was able to kind of stop the Clippers from just going inside. He kind of gave a threat 
um, for the Dallas Mavericks defensively as far as a paint protector. Um, you can't play him big minutes because his foot speed is so slow, but he's a big guy. He's a big body in the paint, and I definitely been. I feel like the Mavericks benefited from having him on the floor. Um, what killed the Mavs this game, they're only 5 for 30 from 3. When they were winning games this series, they were shooting over 50% from 3, and 5 for 30 is nowhere near 50%. And for me, that's the key to their success. When Luka's playing, Luka's going to play how he's going to play. Hopefully this next strain doesn't hurt him as much going into the next couple games. But he's going to do what he's going to do. It's depending on the other guys to be able to hit those shots when he gets them wide open. And if they're hovering around 50%, I can believe in Dallas. But if they're not and they're shooting 5 for 30, they ain't going to have no chance. Um, the Clippers were also able to out-rebound Dallas 53-41 to this game. So just an all-around beatdown from the Clippers. They looked like they were ready for to go to the finals or the Western Conference finals at least, and they could take on anyone. And I liked what I saw from the – if I'm a Clipper fan, I love what I saw from them this game, and I hope that they can carry it on moving forward. Um, that was all the games right there. We've covered everything that happened over Sunday and how all the games end up. So let's jump right into these predictions for the next couple games. First things first, we got 76ers and the Wizards who play today. I got Philly finishing this series out today. It is over. Um, Washington has no answer for Embiid. I think he's going to come out strong, and they mean business tonight. They ain't going to play with them. They're going to give them any kind of hope. Um, also don't like the way the Wizards lead. I feel like Bradley Bill and... Russell Westbrook, neither one of them have played so great this series where I feel like they could just trash the rest of their teammates regardless of who they are. And I see them when their teammates are blowing defensive assignments, are messing up the plays offensively. They're like quick to jump on them and show like their their body language and their reactions just showed so much disappointment and disdain. But they're doing the same thing. They're not they're not protecting the ball any better. They're not showing me that they're the all-stars and superstars on this team either. So I just don't like what I see from the Wizards. Um, I, I can also see them sitting Russell and sitting Bradley Bill in the second half of this game. Um, you don't want to force – you don't want them facing any kind of injury that may force them to miss the beginning of next year or hamper anybody's trade value moving forward. I don't think we get the same team next year in Washington. I don't know what kind of team we get. Um, this is a chance for them to see who they have moving forward. We've talked about that before with this series. Uh, Daniel Gafford and those big guys they got, Robin Lopez, Thomas Bryant, Alex Lynn, trying to see which one you, you think you want to keep moving forward. So that's what I think is going to come for this game. I got Philly winning 127 to Washington's 96 uh, blowout. Next game, we got Jazz and Grizz uh, that we're going to see tonight. I think we see another tightly contested game in this series. This could be the last time the Grizzlies get to play in front of their home crowd this year, being game four. Um, I think the way this game goes is depending on how the refs calls it, call it. The Grizz are just a physical, grinded out, old school, 90s type team where they're going to hard foul you. They're going to get in your, jet, your jersey, a little bit of hand checking and physical uh, play as far as the guards when they're per when they're dribbling on the perimeter, um, they're gonna they they just play in your chest and they play hard. And if the refs are gonna allow them to play, which I don't see anything wrong with it, that's just basketball. If the refs are gonna allow them to play that way, this will be an interesting game. If not, we'll see more of what we saw the last couple games. But even then, I don't see the Jazz really separate themselves from this team. Um, doesn't look like a one eight series as much as you know. Even though the Jazz have control right now with the two one lead. Um, if Dylan Brooks is able to play his style of basketball, you know that my boy Dylan Brooks, um, I think his defense on Donovan Mitchell will cause him, to, Donovan Mitchell, to have kind of the same game he had last game where he didn't shoot the ball well. Um, 
and vice versa, if Memphis can get Rudy Gobert in foul trouble like they were able to in, round, in game one, I think it helps them immensely as far as just attacking the rim. Um, that being said, I do have the Jazz pulling out this win and going up uh, 3-1 as they go back to Utah. Just think they have too much talent for the young Grizzlies who play so inconsistent. Like They can never play 48 minutes of a game. They either play 24 minutes, 30 minutes. There's always a, an area in that game where they just disappoint me in their play as far as they just can't keep up the good, the high level of play. And this is what you see out of a young team. I don't think they get blown out tonight. I got the Jazz winning this game 108 to 101. Um, we shall see what happens, right? And next, I think these games, these next three games are our Wednesday night games. I mean, our Tuesday night games. So we'll be able to watch both of these games. And we'll give you a recap of this uh, going back on Wednesday morning. So we got uh, Celtics versus the Nets. Um, we've talked about this a little bit. The only way the Celtics pull this off is if uh, Jason Tatum goes for 50 again. And even then, I think Boston needs so much more to win a game, even if he has 50, even just to be competitive. Um, I think the big three will continue to tor take turns torching the Celtics defense. I think Brooklyn's a little amped up because of what the fans did. And even though that ain't got nothing to do with the Celtics players, I think they're going to pay the price for their stupid fans. And Brooklyn going to cook them. I think they close this series out. And the big three combined for over 100 points like they did the last two games. Um, the Nets 130, Boston 111. And once this happens, we are going to be one step closer to the Nets Buck series. And we can't wait to break that series down and give a preview on that one. Uh, next, we got Blazers Nuggets. Um, okay, uh, if you go back and you listen to a couple episodes ago, I thought I, I had said Dame would probably put up 50 at least one of these games in Portland. And he did not put up 50. And even worse than that, game four, he didn't play well at all. Um, I just don't see him doing that for back-to-back -back games, though. So I see him having a big game going back to Denver. I also see a little bit of fatigue setting in on Jokic. One big question that's always been on Jokic is his um, his conditioning. And last game, he looked gassed. Uh, it just his shots looked flat. He looked like he just couldn't get it going as far as from an energy standpoint. And, I mean, hey, we've, we've asked him to do a lot for this team, as not just in the playoffs, but since Jamal Murray's been out. He's been he's been the person who's have to carry this team offensively, and he has to be everything from their point guard to their facilitator to their post-up guy to their offensive threat. He's got to be everything for this team. And I think... So you can kind of say you can see a little fatigue settling in. And if that's the case, that's no good. Um, another thing that's been able to uh, coincide with winning for Portland Trailblazers is Nurkic staying out of foul trouble. So the games that he's been staying out of foul trouble have went synonymous with winning. So I believe if he's able to stay out of foul trouble again this game, that Portland's going to win the game. Um, I also expect MPJ to follow up his mediocre performance, only three points last game, with a strong performance at home. I expect him to be very, very aggressive and go into the rim. Um, but this is the reason why I got Portland winning this game. And this game is very, very hard to call. Like, I had a very hard time trying to pick who would win this game because I think both teams match up very, very evenly, um, which means I do think if Jamal Murray plays that Portland has no chance. But... 
the key to this game is CJ McCollum. I think he's due for a very big game. He's been solid this series, but he hasn't had his dominant, I'm taking over this game yet. Um, we've seen it from Dame a couple times. CJ has also been a guy who's had consistently 20 points this game, this series. So it's not saying he's been bad, but I think he's just going to take a step and go that next level and really, really show out. Um, I think he's going to have 30 plus. And if he does 30 plus, I think the Blazers still another one on the road. I got the Blazers winning 116 to Denver Nuggets 109. And lastly, we got my Lakers versus Suns. Like we said, AD is probably not going to play this game. Uh, going into game four, I firmly believe that the Lakers had this series wrapped up. I was looking ahead. Um, we lost, and then but we lost AD with the calf strain or the growing strain, and we lost game four. And I still think the Lakers are going to pull off this series. Um, we're going to miss AD definitely, and we're not a better team without him, like I said earlier. But I think putting him out puts some of the Lakers in the similar positions that they were in all season. Um, puts Zinner Schroeder, gives him a lot more shot opportunities and a lot more time with the ball. Puts Drummond in the paint more and gives him a lot of big minutes at the center with no other big man that he has to compensate for being on the floor, which kind of doesn't hurt our spacing as much. They're still figuring out how to play with each other. And I, I, I don't see us losing AD for one game being a big problem. I um, also see this as LeBron using this game to build his narrative as far as his age and who he is on the floor and just showing why he's still one of the greatest players uh, ever and the best players in the game today. I expect him to have a game that's beyond the usual LeBron, 25, 27 points, uh, six rebounds, six assists. I expect him to have 30 plus, 35 points or above. I expect him to have at least 10, 10 assists and 10 rebounds, probably a triple-double game for LeBron. And I think he just, just bullies Phoenix. I also think that neither one of these teams are going to shoot well all series because they both play pretty good defense. So I think it's going to be another nail-biter. And I think the Lakers win this game 103-100. to um, To wrap up the episode, I want to talk a little bit about something. Uh, it goes back to the Kwame Brown thing and this whole thing. Can we call players bust and not bust? I'm not going to make a long soliloquy on it. I'm just going to touch on it real quick, and I'm going to leave it at this, man. When you come out to the NBA where you're drafted at, it's, it's all narrative, man. Like where you're drafted at and who you go to is going to help determine how successful you are moving forward in this league. That being said, some players don't get to the right place and don't get to the position where they're able to maximize their abilities and show their true talent. And then you have these guys who are bust. And I don't think it's wrong or offensive for people to call other players bust, man. If you're drafted number one overall, you're expected to perform. You were chosen to be the best player in the world coming into the NBA. Like, there's a there's 60 spots, and there's millions of guys who want to be in the NBA, and hundreds and hundreds, I'm sure, put their name into the draft every year. And for you to go number one over 60 and just be pissed poor on the floor and pathetic, I don't think that it's wrong for people to say you're a bust. All right, so if the shoe fits, rock it. If you know, if you if you're aware of the Kwame Brown situation and the other things we got going on, you got Jalen Brown or Jalen Rose saying he won't use the word "bust," which I respect. I even heard CJ McCollum on his podcast, the Pull Up Podcast, talk about how he doesn't believe in using that word. And I and I get where they're coming from. These guys have the ability to come into the league. They get paid millions of dollars. They take care of their families, and that's all good and dandy, and we respect it. But as of those who love the game of basketball, I don't think there's any disrespect going into it if you're talking about the game. 
And if you're strictly talking about basketball, some guys just don't perform as well as others. And players have no business saying it. I mean, players have no problem saying it, talking about like, yeah, this guy got drafted ahead of me and I don't understand why. And I never knew why you would pick this guy. I mean, we just, us as analysts and fans, I'm a fan, I'm not an analyst. We saying the same thing, brother. Like, we don't understand how this guy went number one. Or what did you see out of this guy that you thought he was going to be so special because they just don't perform it on the floor? So people just getting sensitive and this whole, is it a bust and you're not a bust and all this stuff. Man, give it a break, bro. We, we talking sports. You go out there and perform. You're going to make millions playing in the NBA. Part of the game, it comes with the, the scrutiny, the negativity. Some people going to love you. Some people going to hate you. But... Then there's some people who make personal attacks, and that's always super lame. But for some people out there, man, we just trying to analyze the game and talk about something we enjoy, which is hoops. And don't get your panties all in a bunch, fellas. All right? And we're going to wrap it up with... It's been another fire episode of the Ice Cold Show. We're going to talk about a little more of the other sports going on coming up soon. Right now, we're still focused and locked in on the playoffs. We're going to finish it off with our quote from our guy, Charles Barkley. If you're afraid of failure... You don't deserve to be successful. And, yep, that's it for us. And, as always, it's been a Like this, and you ain't never hit the trap like this. So stop front, nigga. I stayed down for the come up. A nigga grinding to the sun up. I'm trying to stack these funds up. Make sure I raise my sons the right way. Could give a fuck about what you might say. It ain't-